lady. Um, so, um, we've been talking about um, the last time we talked about the different ways that uh, this extraordinary process called evolution uh, has resulted in different ways that organisms exploit the carbon and energy sources that are available on Earth. And as we, as we uh, talked about, that w we find that whatever is thermodynamically possible um, in terms of redox gradients in the environment, you will find an organism that has evolved to exploit it. And one thing I haven't mentioned to you guys yet, um, maybe I've mentioned it, but I haven't driven it home, is that in the microbial world uh, right now, 99.9% .9 of the microbes that, that live on Earth have never been cultivated. So it's a vastly unknown universe, uh, the details. So the, the metabolic pathways that I'm describing here um, are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's, what's possible. So last time we were talking at the biochemical scale. Um, this time, we're now going to scale up and think of these biochemical processes on a global level. And we're going to talk about um, primary productivity, which is really just another word for the collective photosynthesis of all of the photosynthesizers on, on Earth. So um, who are the dominant primary producers? Well, we've already talked about this. And let's just, just to get ourselves uh, oriented, let's think of in water, the primary uh, photosynthetic organisms, the primary producers are phytoplankton. And let's just look at one phytoplankton cell. OK, this is a single cell, so this would be maybe 10 microns in size. And inside that cell, um, we have a chloroplast. And you've learned all this in, in, in other lectures and including my lectures which takes up CO2 and evolves oxygen and makes sugars, which go to what's the organelle where respiration takes place? Mitochondria, which goes to the mitochondrion and is respired. CO2 is e evolved and oxygen is taken up. So this little single cell uh, gets through life through photosynthesis primarily, but it also takes the products of photosynthesis and burns them in the, inside the cell. So this is what we, we call, we've called respiration. Um, and it's important to remember that even photosynthetic organisms respire. Okay? But then there's this whole other group of organisms that last time we called heterotrophs that can only respire. They rely on the photosynthetic product from photosynthetic organisms. Um, so that's on, in, on, in water. And then on land, the, the, the main primary producers, productivity, 
our plants, and we'll just symbolize these as a tree. And we all know, so the tree takes up CO2, evolves oxygen. Um, if you blow this up, you just take a leaf. Okay, that's a blow up. And then you blow up again and take a cell from the leaf. This cell is identical in function to the single microscopic phytoplankton cell. Okay, so the process on the, on the, uh, of both of the, and both of these ecosystems, this could be grass, it could be moss, it could be anything else. The process is the same in terms of what's involved in productivity. Okay, now you have a handout for this lecture that has a lot of the definitions that I'm going to now very briefly put on the board. Oh, I should tell you also that in the last 10 minutes of the lecture, I'm going to show you another incredible clip from uh, this, the Blue Planet series that I showed you last time. Uh, so you have something to look forward to. Uh, <clears throat> so let's define some terms. Um, biomass, we're going to call B. And as I said, this is all in the handout. So uh, I'm just going to give you the, the short version here. And the units of this can be, of course, anything, but let, normally it's something like grams carbon per meter squared. And what does that mean? Well, it means if you have, in a terrestrial ecosystem, okay, where you have trees, it would mean that you would calculate the, the biomass. You take a square meter and you'd integrate up and collect all of the biomass in that surface area, okay? So that's what that means. So grams carbon in that square meter. For an aquatic ecosystem, it's the opposite. You take a square meter of the surface water, let's put some waves on here, and you integrate all the way down. How far? When will you not have any more primary product, oh no, biomass. Well, when will you not, no longer have any more photosynthetic biomass in the, in the oceans or in a lake? What? Pigment oh, that's a good answer. Uh, not necessarily, though. What, what, but but it, often, it often corresponds to that. The, the pycnocline is a, a density gradient in, the, in aquatic ecosystems. But what is absolutely essential for photosynthesis? Light, light. So you go down until there's no light. There won't be any, absolutely, there won't be any photosynthesis where there's no light. This is the one thing we know for sure. Okay, and that's usually in the oceans around 200 meters, and in lakes it depends on how rich they are. And the Charles, Charles River, it's about one meter because uh, it's <laughs> such a mess. In fact, well, I shouldn't say a mess, but it's uh, very productive. In fact, uh, legend has it, and I don't know if this is true, but that it's actually safe to swim in the Charles in terms of the water quality, but the reason you're not supposed to swim is because the Visibility is so bad that if anything happened, you'd, they'd never find you. So, but I don't know if that's true. That could be an urban legend. Um, okay, so 
Um, so we're going to define gross primary productivity, gross primary productivity, GPP, gross primary productivity, is the rate of photosynthesis in grams carbon per meter squared per year. And of course, the units here are not the, the, the absolute units. This could be per day, and this could be per square millimeter if you wanted. But the units are amount per unit area per unit time, OK? And then we're going to define the respiration rate, the respiration of the autotrophs. So this would be the respiration rate of the photosynthetic organisms. Uh, which is why we call them R sub A. Uh, and that's going to have the same units. Okay, so it's grams carbon per meter squared per year uh, respired. And net primary productivity is then gross primary productivity minus. So net primary productivity of an ecosystem. is the amount of carbon, CO2, that's drawn into the system through photosynthesis minus the amount that was respired by the plants, by the, the, the organisms that did the photosynthesis. In a sense, you can think of it as the amount of carbon that actually goes into a plant growing, okay? That goes into the biomass of a tree or that goes into the division of a single-celled phytoplankton into two phytoplankton. Um, so, so, but, and then a lot is, of that is lost through respiration. Um, okay. We can also define mean residence time as MRT, which is the biomass divided by the net primary productivity. So what are the units of the mean residence time? Should be obvious, but. Years, right, or time. Mean residence time is time. And that's really, if you want to think about it, is the, if, if you think of yourself as a carbon atom that's drawn into a tree through photosynthesis, it's the average amount of time you will spend, you, 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 your one atom, um, in that tree. Okay, it's the average, the mean residence time of, well, actually, that's wrong, right? It's not the amount of time that you, that one atom, will spend, but it's on average the amount of time that atoms will spend um, in the tree. Okay, um, and then the fractional turnover Is, is equal to 1 over the mean residence time. <clears throat> and it's the, and it has the units of, obviously, years to the minus 1. And it's the fraction, if you think of a tree again, it's the fraction of the carbon in that tree that is renewed by new carbon uh, every year. 
Now, these two concepts will become very important, again, when we start to talk about global biogeochemical cycles. Um, and we'll talk about the residence times of various elements in various components in the Earth system. Okay. Um, so, now let's, let's start, let's go on and look at, uh, first of all, I didn't show, I should have shown this slide last time. Um, I'm trying to not walk around too much because this fellow is filming me, uh, or filming these classes. Um, so, but we should briefly take a look at the absorption spectrum of um, all of the plants on, in the biosphere. This, can we turn the lights down a little? Or I guess I'm in charge of that. There, a little bit better, maybe. Um, this is the absorption spectrum of the pigment chlorophyll, chlorophyll A, that is the pigment that all green plants have that, and they use to absorb sunlight. And you'll notice that the, uh, over the course of evolution, all of these, these white bands are accessory pigments that different organisms have evolved um, to also capture light, and they pass on that energy to the chlorophyll molecule. And the point is that if you look at across all of the visible light and even beyond, there's pigments that have evolved to capture uh, that solar energy uh, collectively in the ecosystem. Okay, so let's look at, now we're, we're gonna look at world net primary productivity. This is, so essentially, um, <clears throat> photosynthesis on a global scale. And I'm gonna tell you right up front, these numbers are extremely uh, approximated. And I've taken these numbers from various textbooks. Your textbook doesn't even have um, a table like this in it. In fact, your textbook is very weak in this section of um, biology, but there's always trade-offs in choosing textbooks. So I've taken this from textbooks and I've rounded off these numbers. And um, so I just want you to go through and understand the structure of the table. The idea is not to memorize particular numbers, but understand and have a feeling for the relative amounts of productivity in different ecosystems. So first of all, if you, so here's our, our, our units of grams per year, world net primary productivity. These are grams of carbon, okay? And um, if we first look at the total amount on land in this particular table is 177, and versus the marine total is uh, 54. But the new estimates, um, I've taken this out of sort of more primary literature than textbooks really show these numbers to be more like this. That shows you how variable this is. It changes every decade. Showing that the amount of photosynthesis of the oceans is roughly on a par with the amount um, in, in land. And to remind you of our units here, this is, in weight-wise, this is 50 to 70 billion Volkswagens worth of carbon. I mean, that's a lot of carbon every year that is going into this, um, these ecosystems. Okay, so let's look at, um, dissect the table a little bit. Looking at tropical forests, like what the rainforest in the Amazon, that are some of the most productive 
ecosystems um, in the world, you can see that over here, their net primary productivity per meter squared is uh, 2,000. And then you look down here at the open ocean, which on a per meter squared basis is a very unproductive ecosystem. There's tiny little phytoplankton, uh, is 100. But looking, looking further, before I get to the but, which is the punchline, um, that's the trouble with animation, uh, the, the biomass in the tropical forest is enormous obviously trees, whereas the biomass in the open ocean is, is very tiny. Um, but if we look at the percent of the surface of the Earth that's covered by these two different ecosystems, the open ocean is huge compared to the tropical forest. So on a global scale, because of the aerial coverage here, these two ecosystems contribute equally. Okay, So it's a combination of of net primary productivity um, and the coverage of the global ocean. Okay. Um, oh, let's go back to that for a minute. So let's uh, let's talk about turnover times or mean residence times. Just eyeballing it, can you? give me an estimate in terms of days, months, years, decades, centuries, order of magnitude um, for the mean residence time of carbon in all the phytoplankton in a marine ecosystem. Is it days, months, years, centuries, decades? Well, don't guess. Well, you can guess, but minutes is wrong. So having guessed and minutes is wrong, now you use your analytical brain. And you look at this mean residence time, which is biomass divided by net primary productivity. Here's the biomass. Round that off. And here's the net primary productivity. And the units here is years, like a month. Did I hear? I didn't hear. Right. It's about one tenth of a year, which is about a month. About a month. Does everybody follow that? Let's just uh, round this off. Five over fifty is point one. Biomass over NPP. How about for the terrestrial ecosystem, what's the average amount of time a carbon atom spends in the average tree? Years, right? Decades. Many years. Maybe decades to centuries. This is the way we think about these things. We don't have any get an exact number, but you want to get an order of magnitude feeling. So carbon is turning over very, very fast in the marine ecosystem but very slowly in the terrestrial ecosystem. And the simple way to think about that is that phytoplankton don't have trunks. Uh, but there's a more, more complicated way to think about it. Um, OK. So now, 
all of this primary productivity that we've made, all of this photosynthesis, is the base, as we talked about, is the base of the food webs in all ecosystems. <clears throat> and so we're going we're gonna to start to dissect this. Um, this is a, a marine food web uh, showing phytoplankton that are eaten by we used to talk about food chains, but we know well now that, that they're not, it's not a chain. It's really a very complex web and very hard to put organisms and, and um, assign them to particular sections. Phytoplankton are eaten by zooplankton. Um, zooplankton are eaten by worms. You've got blue crabs, barnacles, uh, and the top uh, predators, shorebirds, and sea bass. Now, an important part of these food webs is also all of the carbon the primary productivity that is not eaten while it's alive. So some things just die, right? You have dead carbon lying around. And that dead carbon uh, is, falls into what's called a different food web, the detritus food web. And we're, we're going to talk about that. Um, and it comes from all of these different components in the food web. Um, So now we're going to more, more analytically look at the flow of carbon. And when we talk about carbon, we're also talking about energy, right? Carbon and energy are the same thing. I mean, they can, they're interconvertible. Um, so we're going to look at the flow of carbon from the phytoplankton uh, to the zooplankton to the next trophic, um, through that trophic level. And to do this, um, we have to uh, make, do, talk about, about some definitions. And again, this is in your handout, so I'm not going to write all this on the board, but we'll just walk through this. The flow of carbon or energy through a trophic level, which is one of these links, okay, this is one trophic level, this is the next trophic level, or you can also think of this as, as an organism. Um, it applies, this type of analysis applies to both. And we start out with the productivity at trophic level n minus 1, okay? And so the first would be, um, would be primary productivity coming into the system. Some of that productivity, some of that carbon, is not ingested by the next trophic level. That's lost as dead organic matter, detritus, whatever we want to call it. So that's d sub n, the portion not consumed. Then some of it is ingested by the organism, I sub n, and then some fraction of that is assimilated by the organism. That means it's taken into uh, its biochemistry and goes toward building biomass. And some of it is lost as fecal matter produced. That's F sub n. Um, and urine would also be a part of this, uh, waste products. And then some of it is then, the rest of it is then available, oh, some of it, this is important, is lost as uh, respiration, and then the rest is available as productivity for the next trophic level. Okay, so different types of organisms, oh, first before we get to that, um, using this analysis, we can start to define efficiencies of energy conversion through this system. And 
This is because different types of organisms assimilate carbon with different efficiencies, and that is important in the flow of carbon through different types of ecosystems. So let's look at the first efficiency would be the I ingested, the amount reflecting the amount that's ingested relative to the amount that's available, and this is called the exploitation efficiency. Okay, I sub n divided by P sub n minus 1. The next one, similarly, would be A sub n, the amount that's assimilated relative to the amount that's ingested, um, and that is the assimilation efficiency. And finally, the amount that goes to the next trophic level divided by the amount that's assimilated, which is the production efficiency. The amount that actually goes to productivity um, that is assimilated. And these all multiplied together give you the ecological efficiency. And that is sometimes called the trophic transfer efficiency. That's the amount of carbon that is basically lost as you go through one trophic level. Um, and usually, and we'll talk about this in a minute, this is 10 to 20 percent uh, actually makes it, oops, actually makes it through the system. And the rest is lost to respiration um, or detritus or fecal matter. Okay. So let's talk about now why we, how different organisms vary in terms of efficiencies. We have, in terms of the exploitation efficiency, if you're talking about, for example, trees, insects, so insects feeding on trees is about 1 to 10 percent. They don't take that much of the tree. Uh, if it's grass to animals, it's more like 20%. And if it's phytoplankton to zooplankton, it's more like 20 to 40%. In other words, zooplankton harvest much of the primary productivity, uh, no, almost half of the productivity that the phytoplankton have made. Okay, what about assimilation efficiency? How does this vary between organisms? Well, this one, you can think about it, is that if you eat food that is, I was going to say not you, but it is true. You, we are all animals, so it applies to us too. Uh, if you eat food that is similar in composition to your own bodily composition, you're more efficient at assimilating it because you don't have to break it down as much and reorganize it. Um, so. Herbivores, organisms that eat plant matter, are 20 to 50 percent efficient in their assimilation. But carnivores is more like 80 percent. Because you are meat, and if you eat meat, uh, you don't have as much waste than if you eat a lot of uh, fiber. So there's big differences there. Um, 
And then in terms of in terms of um, that is not a value judgment on whether you should eat meat or not. <laughs> Just want to make that very clear. Uh, it, what? <laughs> okay. Um, but later on, we'll, we'll talk about the difference between eating meat uh, globally and eating um, and being vegetarians in terms of utilizing primary productivity on the earth. But in terms of production efficiency, you have warm-blooded organisms uh, have a 2% production efficiency, whereas cold-blooded have a 40% production efficiency. Why would that be? Yes, you, you, if you're warm-blooded, um, does anybody know the technical term for that? It's if you're a homeotherm, or what did you say? End endothermic. Uh, it might, I'm not sure. I think that's chemistry, yeah. <laughs> Sounded good, though. <laughs> um, so homeo, there are homeotherms and heterotherms. Doesn't matter. Point is that these have to maintain their body temperature like we do. That takes a lot of energy, whereas these go with the flow. Uh, that doesn't, so to speak, that technical term. Uh, but that doesn't take as much energy. If, they, if it's cold, they just let their body get cold. They don't burn, burn, burn to keep the, the temperature constant. Okay, um, so that's how organisms differ. Um, now, let's move on to the next chapter, uh, in which now we are going to look at, we were looking at the flow through one trophic level, now we're going to connect a whole bunch of trophic levels. We're going to look at the flow of energy through this component of this food web, uh, and do a more thorough analysis. Okay, so this gets kind of messy. Um, but let's start here. Well, I better use the powerful one. Okay, um, <clears throat> so each one of these is what we call a trophic level. Um, and these are the primary producers, the photosynthetic organisms. Here's our gross primary production, absorbing sunlight. Some of that is lost to heat. Uh, some of that is lost to respiration. Here's our little R sub A. Uh, remember, right here. Uh, and some of it, the net primary productivity is available for ingestion at the next trophic level, which are the herbivores. So all we're, do is, all we're doing here is ganging up a whole bunch of those individual analyses. Um, and then the next trophic level are carnivores, and then the second carnivores. And the number of links you have here um, is something that is obviously determined by the efficiency of transfer from one to another and the total amount of energy that comes into the system. So here, in this, this is a, in our ecosystem, we have uh, carbon being lost at each step to detritus, and you have feces at each length. This all goes down and becomes part of the detritus food web. And in that, you have two forms of carbon. You have particulate organic carbon, which is pieces of dead carbon 
uh, floating around dead leaves, dead phytoplankton, whatever. And then you also have dissolved organic carbon. When, when these plants die and the phytoplankton die, they burst open and the glucose and, and amino acids and all of that dissolve into the, the water in the system and that becomes dissolved organic carbon, which is available for this microbial food web, an entirely different food web that's coupled to the system. So you have the detritivore, this is the grazing food web here. Um, the waste from that goes to the detritivores and the microbes. And then whatever's left over after that is called refractory carbon. That means none of the creatures uh, are able to break it open and really get energy out of it. And in the big picture, what is, what is this? We talked about it actually last time. Fossil fuel, exactly. This is, the, this is the carbon that actually accumulates over time um, at when ecosystems are finished processing all of the, the primary production. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to time this right so that we make sure that we have time for the movie. Um, so let's look at a couple of ways we can think about this. Um, let's just compare, if we look at the open ocean ecosystem versus the tropical forest. And the average, oh, I forgot one thing. Okay, if we take now the gross primary productivity, and I'm going to circle all of the respirations. See the, the, um, the purple here? So this is all the carbon that's being fixed. This is that that is lost to respiration. And we can define a new parameter, which is net ecosystem production. And that is gross, prim gross primary production minus the respiration of all of the autotrophs, R sub A, minus the respiration of all of the heterotrophic components of the system. So that would be the herbivores, carnivores, detritivores, um, microorganisms. That's all the carbon that's respired and lost to CO2. So you can add this. To this, so we'd have net ecosystem production equals GPP minus RA minus the sum of all the uh, heterotrophs. <clears throat> now, in very mature ecosystems, this Net ecosystem production is essentially nothing, all right? Everything that's produced is consumed. For example, in a tropical rainforest, you don't have a huge buildup of organic carbon in a tropical rainforest. Everything that's produced is basically consumed, and um, this is zero. But in a young forest, say a plantation at the extreme, 
where you plant trees and they're increasing in biomass, then obviously this net ecosystem production is a positive number. What if, it's, what if net ecosystem production is a negative number? Won't be there for long, right? You've got to have things photosynthesizing um, net at least enough to maintain uh, the ecosystem. I mean, you can have it for a transient, but not for any steady state. Okay. Um, all right. Talking about ecological efficiencies, again, if we talk about the average average ecological efficiency of the open ocean is about 25%, and of the tropical rainforest is about 5%. Uh, so the num average number of trophic levels That's the, basically the number of links in the food web uh, in these two systems is about 7.1 and 3.2. In other words, when you have more efficiency of transfer from one link to another, you can have more links, obviously. So getting back to humans again, And this gets back in, back to in terms of uh, what you might, what we might think about as a global human society. If you go from from wheat to man, you lose ninety percent of the car, the energy in that transfer. If you go from wheat to cows, to man, you lose 90% here, and you lose 90% here. So obviously, in terms of feeding the world, it's much better to go directly from wheat to humans than to go from wheat to cows to humans. Um, you all know this, but it's important to, to remember that. And unfortunately, the trend in the, in the, in the world is to go f more from here to here instead of the other way around. Uh, just something to remember in terms of the application of this knowledge. Okay. Um, finally, very quickly, I'm going to skip over this and go to another way to look at what we've been talking about. Um, it's just a, 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 another diagram of the same thing. You have photosynthetic organisms that the entire world depends on this productivity for food and fiber, and, note, and that most of that is lost through respiration, and the rest goes to the other organisms, um, and, including detritivores. So a big question is, how much of this global primary productivity, this global photosynthesis, have humans taken over? It's really hard to answer that question, okay? But a lot of uh, ecologists have been working very hard at understanding the fraction of global photosynthesis that's been co-opted, it's called co-opted by humans. And the estimates range uh, from 10 to 55 percent. 
The amount that we use directly as food or fuel or fiber or timber is not that great, but there's a lot of productivity that's diverted as crop waste, um, burning, etc. And land conversion obviously uses up uh, a lot of habitat and productivity. So the significant point here is that as we co-opt this primary productivity, we change dramatically all of the food webs that rely on it. And that is what's part of the path to extinction of, of a, a lot of species. And the big question is, how much can we co-opt? I mean, we're on the road to taking over the primary productivity of the Earth. There's no question, completely, uh, unless we set up reserves. That's it. That's where we're marching. Now, when we're in charge of it, is it going to function the way we need it to function to maintain our atmosphere and to um, provide us with the food and fiber that we need? That's still an open question. Okay, so now I'm going to show you this really neat DVD because these pictures of food webs are deadly dull and they don't represent anything at all what the reality is like. So I'm going to show you three weeks in the life of a real food web. And I want you to think about two things when you're watching it. Don't just think you're at home in front of your TV watching a nature show and going brain dead or something. Think about what you've learned in this class. So think about the gigatons of carbon that are flowing through this system. More importantly, this entire food web and everything that's going on in it is orchestrated by the information in the genes of the organisms in the food web. That's the information content that structures this whole thing and how it's all orchestrated and coordinated and happens the same way, more or less, every year is absolutely mind-blowing as far as I'm concerned and a major, major challenge for microbial eco I mean for um, ecology and for molecular ecology. Okay.